0: Welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio. In the news, is Jesus really real? Will Jesus return and become the King of Kings? What does the Bible predict for the future of the world? Let's find out. Now here's your host, Albert Hardy. Hi everybody, interested in prophecy. This is Albert Hardy with episode number 12. And I want to talk about Jesus, the reality of him the fact that he is going to come back and what that's going to be like and look like for us as people living on planet earth. I want to take you to Matthew chapter 13 and beginning in verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up, and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came, and said unto him, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did these tares come from then? He said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Will you uh, that we go and gather them up? And he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. Then, well, it says, but in the King James, gather the wheat into my barn, unquote. That's the end of uh, chapter, er, or verse 30. So, who's the tares, and who's the wheat? Well, the wheat are those who follow and believe and trust Jesus, that he is real, And that he is coming back. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That take him seriously. Are you a serious Christian or just a pretend one? One that just goes through the motions? I hope you're the one that seeks him out fully, consciously, seriously. Another parable, in verse 31, he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among the herbs, and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Verse 33, Well, first of all, let me just explain that a bit. Faith as small as a grain of mustard seed grows huge and becomes something good for many, not just one person. And so it is with the kingdom of God. It's the same thing. All of his parables are about the kingdom. Verse 33, another parable, he spake unto them, The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. Now you'll notice that this is a one-sentence parable. But it does tell us what the kingdom of God will be like. It will spread world worldwide. From Jerusalem, Jesus will be at the helm. He'll be the king, the king of kings, and the savior of the world. Have you ever thought about that? Why would we need a savior? In verse 36, Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Teach us what what you meant by the parable of the tares of the field, please. HE ANSWERED AND SAID UNTO THEM, HE THAT SOWS THE SEED, THE GOOD SEED, IS THE SON OF MAN, THE FIELD IS THE WORLD, AND THE GOOD SEED ARE THE CHILDREN OF THE KINGDOM, BUT THE tares ARE THE CHILDREN OF THE WICKED ONE, THE ENEMY THAT SOWED THEM IS THE DEVIL, AND THE HARVEST IS THE END OF THE WORLD, AND THE REAPERS ARE THE ANGELS. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be at the end of the world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend or cause stumbling, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine, forth as the son in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And what he's talking about, what he's saying there is that whoever can understand, let him. So, I'm hoping you're understanding this, this whole thing, the whole Bible is about the kingdom of God. Now, Who, pray tell, are the tares? Well, they're the children of the wicked one, verse 38. And the devil is the one who sowed them. Are there any people groups on the planet that would fit that bill? You know, Damascus is going to be destroyed, according to Isaiah 17, verse 1. Jeremiah 50, verse 21, and Ezekiel 23, 23 through 35. That doesn't really bode well for that 2 million people city. It's a huge city, it's old, it's never really been destroyed and taken over by another and rebuilt. But this is what is predicted for Damascus, Syria, then the hammer of the whole earth is going to be cut down. Now, what is meant by the hammer of the whole earth? This is Jeremiah 50 and verse 21. Jeremiah 50, verse 21. Let's just turn over there for a second. Jeremiah is an interesting um, storehouse of prophecy. It's huge, and it's got a lot of meat to it. You've got to try to understand it, in, in my view, if you want to understand anything about the future and about prophecy. Okay. We are in chapter 51. Turn back a page. Okay, how the hammer of the whole earth is cut asunder and broken. This is verse 23, chapter 50, Jeremiah. How Babylon has become a desolation among the nations. Well, you can also turn to Revelation um, 1. Or no, hang on a second. That's Revelation Nine and verse two, and also I believe it's revelation eighteen. let's let me go over there for a second. Here it talks more about Babylon, the destruction of Babylon. Verse one, and after all these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power and authority, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have waxed themselves rich through the abundance of her delicacies or by the power of her wantonness. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached high unto heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. So render unto her even according to as she rendered to you, and double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she has uh, filled, fill her to double. How much she has glorified herself and lived deliciously on the earth. So much torment and sorrow give her, for she says in her heart, I sit a queen, I am no widow, and I shall never see sorrow. Where or Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judges her, and the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and live deliciously or wantonly with her shall bewail her, and lament for her, when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great day, or city, I'm sorry, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is your judgment come, and the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, and no man buys her merchandise anymore. Could this be the end of the oil trade? Babylon that area that whole region there was once all the inhabited world in King Nebuchadnezzar's time he was the king the first king of kings, that head of gold in the statue, so you can go to Daniel. Uh, 12, I believe, to find that. But anyway. Well, let's find out about the oil. And the merchants of the earth, verse 11, and this is chapter 30, or I'm sorry, 18 of uh, Revelation. The merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her for no man. Uh, No man buys her merchandise anymore, the merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all um, thion wood and silk and scarlet and uh, all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of precious wood and brass and iron and marble and cinnamon, and odors, and ointments, and that would be perfumes, Um, frankincense, and wine, and oil. Verse 13. Very interesting. Nobody's going to be buying anything out of there anymore after this. And also sheep, and horses, and flour, and wheat, and beasts, and chariots, and people and the souls, the lives of men. Talk about a slave trade, there you go. Now, who's doing that? Well, all of these things are done in the region of Babylon. And who is there? Well, it would be Iraq, Iran, um, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, but not so much Jordan maybe, but Syria, Lebanon, that whole region there, parts of Turkey even. In the fruits, verse 14, that your uh, desires held are departed from you and all things which are dainty and goodly are departed from you and you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment and weeping and wailing or weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas that great city, which was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls for in one hour, it reiterates. Verse 17, For in one hour so great riches has come to nothing, and every shipmaster, and the comp- all the company of ships and sailors, and as many as trade by the sea, and st- stood afar off, and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, What city is like unto this great city? Now it's burnt, Gone. And they cast dust on their heads. Now, who does that in the world? Well, Islam. Islamic people do that. They're the only ones I know of in the world that do that. And they cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein we were all made rich, all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness, For in one hour she is made desolate. That's the third time it's mentioned. Rejoice over her, you heavens, you holy saints, and you apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you. Judge your judgment on her. In other words, and a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down, and it shall be found no more at all. Now, I want to take you to Jeremiah again and show you something very interesting. Did you know that it is prophesied that that, uh, Iraq would be underwater? Wow, that's different. Let's go there and take a look. Hang on a second. Okay, this is Jeremiah 50, starting in verse 24. I have laid a snare for you, and you are taken, O Babylon, and you were not aware of it. You are not found, and also you're caught, because you have striven against the Lord, the Eternal One, in other words. The Lord has opened his armory and has brought forth the weapons of his indignation. For this is the work of the Lord, the God of hosts. He has a work to do in the land of the Chaldeans. Well, that's the aforementioned Muslim nations in the Middle East. Come against her from the utmost border. Open her storehouses. That's interesting. What storehouses do they have over there? Oil. Oil storehouses. Buried underground mostly. Some of them are on top of the ground. Cast her up as heaps and destroy her utterly. Let nothing of her be left. Slay all of her young bullocks and let them go down to the slaughter. Woe unto them. For their day is come, the time of their visitation. The voice of them that flee and escape out of the land of Babylon to declare in Zion, that's Israel, the vengeance of the Lord our God, the vengeance of his temple. You know, that temple doesn't really exist at this point in time. It's not there yet. But it needs to exist before Jesus returns And he is alive and he is real. What he's doing out there in space where he went is building worlds and starting to construct life out there. That's my theory based on Scripture. Sounds far out, I know, but in reality it is far out. Therefore, shall our young men fall. Wait a minute. I think I skip one. Uh, call together the archers against Babylon, verse 29. All you that bend the bow, camp against it round about, and let none of them escape. Recompense her according to her works, according to all that she has done. Wow. For she has been proud against the Lord, against the Holy One of Israel. Therefore shall her young men, and these bullocks you you, uh, read in verse 27, I think are the men of war. All of her young men shall fall in the streets, and all of her men of war shall be cut off in that day, says the Lord. Behold, I am against you, O most proud, says the Lord God of hosts, for your day is come, the time that I will visit you, and the most proud shall be stubble. <laughs> you know what stubble is? It's a straw. It's what's left over after you cut away the good stuff. And shall fall, and none shall raise him up, and I will kindle a fire in his cities, and it shall devour all around him. Wow. But I wanted to take you to the place where it talks about the the fact that it'll be underwater, and I'm going to go there next. It's in 51. Uh, I, I thought it was, yeah, okay. In, uh, in verse 38, a drought is upon your waters. That sounds more like... Um, the Euphrates River dry, drying up, which it's, it is. And they shall be dried up, for it is the land of graven images. You ever see the cobblestone? Um, hmm, it's in Mecca. And they parade around this thing by the thousands, these men. They're all in white robes, bowing down to Allah. And they go around this graven image. It's designed to look like a woman's private parts. Shame on them. And then they kiss the stone that's inside. It's a black ball. They say fell from heaven. Verse 40, As God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighboring cities thereof, says the Lord, so shall no man abide there or live there and neither shall any son of man dwell therein. Behold, a people shall come from the north, and a great nation. And many kings shall be raised up from the coasts, the uttermost parts of the earth. And they shall um, hold a bow and the lance. They are cruel, and they will not show mercy. Their voice shall roar like the sea. And they shall ride upon horses, every one arrayed in battle array, like a man going to battle against you, O daughter of Babylon. So let's go to chapter 51, that's the next chapter, and all the way down to 55 to start with. Well, verse 42 says this, the sea is come upon Babylon, Babylon. She is covered with the multitude of the waves thereof. Now that's pretty hard to mistake seems to me. And then um, in verse 44, "I will punish Bel in Babylon, and I will bring forth out of his mouth that which he has swallowed up and the nation shall not flow together any more unto him. Yes, the wall of Babylon shall fall. Then in 55, Because the Lord has spoiled Babylon and destroyed out of her the great voice, when her waves do roar like great waters, a noise of her, their voice is uttered. Now, some people, some prophecy teacher may say, well, this is not real water. This is waves of armies coming to battle against her. I disagree with that. In verse 57, there's a very interesting verse. I will make drunk her princes and her wise men, her captains and rulers, her mighty men, and they shall sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake says the king whose name is the Lord of hosts. What do you make of that? Perpetual sleep? That sounds like permanent death. And I believe that's exactly what he's saying. These guys are going to die the death, the second death, and never live again. And their spirits aren't going to be burning in hell forever either. It's not what that's saying. That's not saying that at all. Verse fifty eight Thus says the Lord of hosts, the broad walls of Babylon shall be utterly broken, and her high gates shall be burned with fire, and the people shall labor in vain, and the folk for the nation or in the nations for the fire, and they shall be weary. For further proof, let's go down to Verse 62, Then shall you say, O Lord, you have spoken against this place to cut it off, that none shall remain in it, neither man nor beast, but that it shall be desolate forever. See what I mean? Desolate forever. It's dead. And it shall be, when you have made an ending of reading this book, that you shall bind a stone to it and cast it into the midst of the Euphrates. And you shall say, Thus shall Babylon sink, and it shall not rise from the evil that I will bring upon her, and they shall be weary. And thus far are the words of Jeremiah. Well, if it's going to sink, it's going to be under water. Verse 42, remember, says, The sea is come upon Babylon. She is covered with a multitude of the waves thereof. Is Jesus real? Is he coming back? Well, it's, it's like this. They're going to have a big war in the Middle East. And they're going to nuke those oil fields. And it's going to blanket the whole earth with the smoke and make it dark. Let's go to Matthew 24, verse 29 for a second. 24:29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. The sun. It's not talking about a spot on the earth. It's talking about the sun being darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. The stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. What exactly do you think he meant by that? I dare you to ask your pastor, or any pastor, just find a pastor and go ask him, what does verse 29 of chapter 24 of Matthew mean? Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Well, the powers of the heavens is the ability of the earth's atmosphere to make weather, to make rain. It's going to be destroyed, ruined, shaken, upset. So we're going to have some very odd weather. It's going to get really, really hot This smoke will not let it get cold anymore. In fact, men will be scorched from the heat, according to the book of Revelation, probably in uh, 6.12. Let's take a look at that a second. Verse 12, chapter 6, Revelation. And I beheld, when he had opened the sixth Seal, and lo and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth. That's pretty black. And the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth, even as the fig tree casts her untimely, unripened figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. Wow. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. That is a great earthquake. That's a worldwide earthquake. Now, what does it mean about the scroll when it is rolled together? Well, when a scroll is rolled together, you can no longer read any of the words the words are the stars and this will this cloud cover of smoke will cover them up to where they are not visible anymore that's what i think that means now the stars fell from heaven to the earth verse 13 that matches perfectly matthew 24:29 which says that the stars shall fall from heaven. Now, if you know anything about science, and I'm sure you do, the stars cannot fall. They're way, 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 way too far out. They're not going to fall to the earth. So what in the world is he talking about? In my view, he's talking about the 22,000-plus satellites. They're artificial stars that in the night sky look just like stars, except for the fact they're moving. They're all going to come down. Why? Because the smoke will block the signals that come from the ground positioning stations that are stationed all over the Earth that keep engineers employed trying to keep these satellites in line and, you know, in the right bounds so that they don't knock into each other and fall to the ground. Every once in a while they do lose a couple. But in general, they don't. They're very, very expensive. These things are millions of dollars each. They have retro rockets on board, which make steering and course correction possible. Well, without the ability for those radio signals that they send up there to activate them, They will hit one another and fall to the ground. Hence, the stars of heaven shall fall. And so, to me, this whole thing is all about what's going to happen in the future. And maybe sooner than we think. I don't know. If you like, you can go to my website, itellwhy.com. I don't have anything to sell there. I'm not selling anything. I'm giving this away as an act of love for those of you who love Scripture the way I do. It's incredible. All this adds up to, yes, Jesus is very real. And he better be real because if he isn't, we don't have a Savior who's going to save us out of this mess we're going to create over there and that's a serious problem. But you can go read my books. There's 8 of my books there. And it's free. There's a downloadable PDF of each one that you can print. And what subjects are they on? Why kingdom come is one of them. Why did Jesus pray that in his prayer? Thy kingdom come. Well, because it has to come. A kingdom is not here yet with Jesus at the helm, but it is in the works, and he is preparing you and me for positions in that kingdom according to scriptures. Well, my time is about up, but you can read all the rest of the books. I have one on hell, one on heaven, what in heaven is God up to, why lie about hell, why I'm evolution-free. And you can read the rest of them. And they're all supported and uh, backed up by the Bible. And this is why I believe that Jesus certainly is real and that He's alive and that he will come back and save us alive. And it's not like we're going to go to heaven for our eternal retirement. Oh no, 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 no. no. No, Jesus is coming back here, and we're going to be with him and do whatever he wants done. And that'll be the greatest joy you've ever had in your life. And so I hope you pursue this. It's very important, the kingdom of God. Well, until next time, this is Albert Hardy saying, study your Bible because it matters to you and your family you want to stay alive, if you want to get out of trouble, stick with him. He's the only one you can trust. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.